Welcome to Spring the Beacon with Ryan Rieger. Today we're playing Lego, and Daddy has other dice stay on my play Lego. Hey guys, welcome back to the Streams of Income radio show. I'm your host, Ryan Rieger. Today, we're chatting with Jeff Russell. He wrote a book called Fire Yourself First. And uh, he's go just go to fireyourselffirst.com to learn more about him. He's got an awesome story. And I took a ton of notes on this episode. Some of the things he said is follow the money, follow the easy money, which I say, like, what's your lowest hanging fruit? Go after those opportunities. Um in his story, he just talks about how he, he's got six businesses. He works about 10 days per month. And in Fire Yourself First, he goes through a four-step blueprint on how to get yourself out of your business. So number one, what is your purpose? You need to have a purpose bigger than you. What are you doing this for? His is he wants to help people. All of his businesses are around helping people. It's so cool. Uh, hire the right team. He has an 11-step process of hiring the right people so they can do their job. So you're not the bottleneck. So you can re essentially replace yourself or get yourself out of the situation. Empower your people to do the job that you hired them to do. Um, he has a scorecard and he gets four numbers every single Monday with how the business is doing. And he talks about in his book, though, what those numbers are and then plan your exit. Now, he said his businesses right now, he has no plans on selling them. They're like ATM machines for him and they're profitable. But what is your goal with these businesses? Are you wanting to stay in there for a long time like he is or are you wanting to get out? But I love this interview. Um, you know, aren't we all like looking for opportunities that, you know, are allow us to be outside the business, but still earning income from it, that passive type income. Now, yes, he's still involved in his businesses, but he's got it to a point where he spends 10 days a month working in his businesses. And we talked about the, what is a family office. He essentially has a corporation uh, for his investments that, and these are, uh, he does it this way for tax purposes. And we, because Stephen uh, Hibbert, our, um, my buddy and uh, co uh host in some of these episodes is working on that right now for him and his family. I had him come on this episode because I know he'd have some good questions regarding the family office, but you're going to enjoy this episode with Jeff. Here it is. Jeff, welcome to Streams of Income. It's good to meet you. Yes. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm very excited to uh, share my story. Yes. I'm excited to hear it. And you're, you came from, um, I've, your person that does uh, your interviews for reaching out to folks, uh, Teresa, I believe is her name. Um, I've, I've said yes to a few of the people that she's brought and they've been incredible guests. Uh, and so uh, looking oh, forward oh. to this, she does a great job. So I love hearing people's stories, as I told you before that, and you listened to a few of my episodes. So, you know, um, there's just so much knowledge that you can gain in business lessons and life lessons from other people's stories. So tell us yours. Yeah, I think... It starts a long, long time ago. No, I <laughs> Fine. That's, you can go back nothing. as far as you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, the funny thing is, well, I got to look at it. You know, I have multiple businesses. I have a family office. I work 10 days a month, right? That's today. But I was an army brat. I grew up, my dad was in the army. So I'll just tell you right now, if you want to get rich, working in the army is probably not the way to do it. <laughs> right. 
So for us, you know, going to five star dining was going to the next town that had a McDonald's. And so that was like we were living large. So uh, I didn't come from money. And so what I was told is you got to work hard, you got to grind it, and you got to just do it. And neither of my parents went to college. So they were, you know, they really wanted my brother and I to go to college. So we were like, yeah, we got to go to college and we got to grind it out. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. And, you know, it was an interesting thing happened along the way. And it was, it's actually probably my high school English teacher. He actually owned a nightclub in town and I'm underage, what? right? So I'm really? not really allowed to be in the nightclub. <laughs> so he fascinated me. Well, yeah. what even fascinated me more was that he was dyslexic. So his wife actually marked all the papers and did everything. So um, I'm like, okay, if you can be a dyslexic English teacher, I think this is very interesting. And one day he's like, yeah, why don't you come and take a look at the club? Well, he, that's when he this is the first person that showed me about, you don't, you don't have to grind it out and work. He goes, yeah, I own the building. I own the club right now. I own the building that's next to it. I also own this apartment building down the street. And there were sometimes I'd go with him and we would empty the the washer and dryer. You know, back then, you ha- I don't know how it's done now, but, you know, you had quarters <laughs> or dimes and you put them in and then there yeah. was a thing. So I'm going around with him kind of being his little assistant guy. And I want to learn how to DJ. So, you know... Uh, while the club was closed, the DJ there, who I'm still friends with today, he would nice. help me learn how to DJ and actually landed the gig working at Club Med in the Bahamas and Mexico. Wow. Like I was uh, a popular DJ, uh, not the college graduate yet. Okay. So while I went to college, I was kind of like the janitor there. So I would kind of clean up. So I was able to be in there and be in that environment. And that I think is when the wheels started turning. It's like, okay, he doesn't really work that much, right? (laughs) Like, so, and he's doing what he loves doing, which was teaching kids. I'm like, good Mm. for him, right? He enjoyed doing that. So Mm. went to college, got my degree in computer science back in the, um, 80s. <clears throat> Sorry, I didn't know if I said that too. Back then, computers were the size of like, I don't know, buses. And, you know, it was yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to go work for a big corporation. So I went and I, you know, applied. I was top of my class. I went to work for Xerox. And Xerox at the time, they invented the mouse, the GUI. They were really high tech, uh, big copiers and things. So yeah. I did my corporate journey began. And I kind of put a, in the back of my mind, you know, you got to own the building, you know, you got to own the business, you got to, but that wasn't really the way to do it. So I did 10 years in corporate America. I discovered, you know, 10 years too late, I was really unhirable. You know, I am not a good employee at all. Uh, because as soon as I see something stupid, I have no filters. I just say, you know, you're doing it wrong. You could do it this way and yeah. so much better. Yeah. Because I've been I want fired the best. multiple times for that reason of trying to improve efficiencies. Yeah. There's so like, many nah, similarities in your story and Steven's <laughs> story. This is, this is hilarious. I love it. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so one of the big packages, and I, I'm an awesome worker, right? So I never did really anything wrong, but you know, I wasn't the best employee. 
Um, so one of my last ones, they actually, uh, they gave me a year pay as my buyout. It's wow. like, okay, here, go away. So every time I left, I always got a lot of money because I didn't do anything wrong. They couldn't fire me for cause or anything because I'm competent. Um, and they gave me this money. And part of it as well was this uh, career counseling. So they're going to career counsel you and make your resume better so you can get a better job and all that. So I'm like, right. okay, let's go. Let's do it. Did all the Myers-Briggs, did all the those analytical personality tests. And one of the counselors came to me and said, you know, you, sh you shouldn't actually get another job. You should start your own business. I'm like, oh, really? I actually didn't know that was an option. This is my dad worked for the federal government, Department of Defense, right? He was Army. I work for big corporations, and I yeah. actually didn't know starting. And I'm like, I don't know anything about starting a business. Never. Yeah. never. What happened when you were in that position there? What happened to your dream? And were you? What were you thinking of about the nightclub? Um, did you have? Did you still have in the back of your mind like someday I'm going to own a business, or did you kind of for had forgotten about it by that point? No, not at all. And then I wrote, I uh, read one of the most impactful books I've ever read, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm, and yeah. I would be taking the subway. And yeah. so they had books on tape, a tape. Okay. Not like yeah. a cassette tape. Yes, and, yes. uh, and my wife got me the uh, Tony Robbins Unleashed cassette tape as well. So I listened to Tony Robbins as I was commuting to work, doing my job. And so I always had that stuff in the back of my mind. And I remember Rich Dad, Poor Dad in his book, right? It's all about you, you generate the cash to buy real estate. So I always, because real estate is that passive income where you don't have to participate in. Yeah. So it was really, so that was kind of, I'm like, so things were starting to align there. Okay. And they're like, you don't, here's another thing I learned. I thought I had to start a business from scratch and not know anything. He goes, no, there are business opportunities. And one of the things that I did was how I started, they had one for a leasing broker. So I think okay. I paid $10,000. And remember, they gave me a year's salary and I was up there. I was a director, right? So I got a lot of money. Um, so I put my 10K in there and went to St. Louis and learned how to be a leasing broker. And so I started financing equipment and leasing it. And, and I grinded it, man. They said, you have to make 100 phone calls a day, I would make a hundred phone calls a day. I just did what they said because I don't know any better. I'm a very simple guy. You tell me the, the, the formula that works, yeah. I'm going to do it until That's it's awesome. done. And so did that. And what I learned there was if you finance doctors and medical equipment, you get paid way more money and very quickly <laughs> because they just need to sign their name and boom, they've got their money. For me, on the other hand, if I wanted leasing and I'm just like Joe up the street, I like 14 years of tax returns and, you know, little all kinds of crazy stuff. So it was way more difficult as a leasing broker to get a non-physician finance than a physician okay. so follow the money yes. follow the easy money don't beat your head against something right and go the wrong direction and then i actually finance a lot of aesthetic equipment cosmetic lasers tattoo removal lasers things like that i actually financed the first medical spa in america 20 years ago wow and then doctors would ask me, well, how do I open up a medical spa? And I would say, hey, go talk to these other people. Uh, these doctors I helped set up, they'll tell you. And then 
those doctors told me, Jeff, stop sending people to me because I'm too busy. I, the last thing I need to do is tell these people how to do a business. And I'm thinking back into that business opportunity class I did. I spent four days there in a boot camp and I'm like, hmm, I wonder if we could do a boot camp like that for doctors. Mm-hmm. And then 17 years ago, I started that. Mm-hmm. And that now has, that business has you know, paid all my debts, paid my mortgage, put my kids through private school. They're in college now. Holy mother. I tell you, college is crazy. One's in London, England. So don't even get me started with that one. (laughs) And, you know, the other one's in a top tier state school, right? So it's expensive. Mm. Um, So that's kind of, so follow the money. Yeah. Right. Don't do it. See who else has done something Mm kind of switch it, modify it. And then I take what Rich Dad Poor Dad said, you take your money, then you invest it in more passive income, Mm -hmm. right? So things where I'm not involved with. And at the beginning, I would do that more in equities and in the markets. Uh And then I started doing early stage, um, you know, funding, and then real estate as well. I, I'm not the guy who buys a house and is going to go plumb things. Like I don't even know how to hold a wrench, right? So that is not. So I knew that was not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I invest in real estate syndications, nice. and you have to be very knowledgeable about real estate. Okay, it's not just an easy thing. And this is one thing I've always been as a child. Like when my parents got me the Encyclopedia Britannica, this was like a big deal, right? I read that at home and I read six business books a month for the last 15, 20 years. Wow. And from that, I kind of adjust things. So if I don't know anything and it's new, it's so scary. But if I read three or four books or listen to them on Audible or go in, And then I also like to then find those authors on podcasts and listen to them because you always get a different angle on every time, you know, what you're doing. So that really supplements. And all of a sudden I get the knowledge. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. So if you want to jump into something new, you know, that you don't know anything about because that's not your background, go get a book. Right. Like go search Amazon, get some audibles, go listen to some podcasts on it. You know, after probably two, three hours, you will have enough knowledge that you'll be able to make a good decision. And so when I opened my family office, I didn't know anything about family offices. (laughs) And I started asking around and I discovered the people who ran family offices don't really know much. Right. And this is another thing. This is what I want to dig in with you on because I'm in that same (laughs) position right now. It just feels like there's a must be knowledge out there, but I cannot find it. And the people I'm talking to, I I feel the same way. It's like, I don't think they truly know in depth what this is or how to set it up. Otherwise they'd be giving me other or better advice. So I'm very interested in the books or the path that you took to learn more about this. (laughs) Yeah. And for, and talking to people, right. You know, which is very important as you get more knowledgeable, then you can reach out to those authors, right. And ask them, Hey, how, uh, how would you do that? Or I find listening to on podcasts, I get a lot of information much quicker mm-hmm. and easier, right? So, and and so like, yeah, with family offices too, like I invest in early stage funds. I used to do VC funding and I'm like, eh, it's not exciting for me. I like it just when they're in that million dollar mark or under, they're ready to explode. And, you know, 
when I look at my latest book that I wrote, Fire Yourself First, that book is has basically four steps on how I fired myself from my company. And I basically give that book to the companies, right? This is how you need to operate. You need to have dashboards, scorecards. You need to hire a team players that come with batteries included. They're ready and able and excited to work. Yeah. And you need to know where you're going, right? Yeah. So where's your purpose, right? Not just your business's purpose, but your purpose, right? Because if you don't know that, then you just don't know. Mm -hmm. And this is what I found with the, you know, I have private banking and all that, and they do a portion of my wealth management, but the banks are so risk adverse. Like if they get you 3%, they're excited. And I'm like, no, this is not excitement. 3% is not going to get me. Yeah, that's sure, barely beating inflation. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, do you hedge some of your, you know, I look at that as kind of my hedge stuff because, you know, with private banking, I can invest in some funds that wouldn't be available to the regular person off the street, right? Where they have minimums of 30, $40 million, right? You can get in for a hundred thousand or so. Mm -hmm. um, and so these guys who are managing your money, they don't have any money themselves. Right. This is so true. Again, from Robert Kiyosaki and his book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like you're going to go and give this guy money to manage your money. And the guy makes 30 grand a year, 100 grand a year. It's like, OK, and I'm going to give you five million dollars. Go. Don't expect much. <laughs> Just what I'm saying. Do yeah. not expect much. Mm. Wow. So we want to yeah, dig in. Learn. And you want to talk about the family office. <clears throat> Put that on the back we'll definitely want to get oh, to i have it i got a note yeah because i want to <laughs> ask like even what is that because most people probably have no clue what that even means um so when you you got your business that you start how'd you go from business to now you've got a book fire yourself first what are some of those steps how'd you uh build up that business that you did and then realize was there a story behind wow i'm working too much i don't want to be doing this much and let's the steps you took the process of firing yourself yeah. And, you know, the trigger happened maybe a couple of years ago. I was offered $10 million for one of my businesses. Mm -hmm. And that was a fair valuation, right? I'm not saying it was exceptional. I'm not saying it was bad, but it was reasonable, you know, uh, offer. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what would I do? And then I look back and I looked at, you know what? I show up and I'm working my 60 hours a week, but I'm not really doing anything, you know? So I'm like, do I, like I'm there, I'm not causing any problems with the, you know, everything's going, but it was more that I had to do an inner search. It was like my ego required me. And in the back of my brain, you know, my parents and society saying, you got to work 40 hours a week. You got to work 60 hours a week. You can't just um you know you can't just control it right so i had to kind of beat that so when i when i thought of that okay i love my business why would i sell it i don't have to work on it very much yeah and then i'm like i have six businesses right i have financing companies i have a, i have a medical clinic as you know cosmetic clinic that i have i have my training companies that i have mm -hmm. so i have a lot of different when i decide that's it what do I need to do so I can only work 10 days a month? That was my that was my goal. So yeah. it wasn't to make X amount of money. It was why I want to work 10 days a month and make more than I'm making now. Yeah. And how would I do that? And I'm like, I have to have an autonomous team that's in place that runs without me. 
Yes. Right. They can't rely on me. So for me, one of my mistakes was my, my team became too reliant on me. So I had to kind of exit myself. Like, you know what? You can solve this. You got this. You know, you guys got it. Mm-hmm. And so from that, I re- that was the kind of the, you know, that was the four steps. And I've used that model for many yeah. years, right? Yeah. For, you know, one of the clinic, I started using that model uh, 11 years ago. And, yeah. but I didn't, know it at the time. Like I yeah. kind of did this stuff, but I actually didn't know it. And then when I look back, that's where the book came from. Awesome. And I'm a simple guy. I don't like more than four or five steps. So it's four steps, right? <laughs> so, um, and that's it. And can you go over the, for, right, you can, say them real quick. I don't, I want people to buy the book, but can you just do the, the, the names of the steps again real quick? Well, first thing is if you don't have a personal purpose, then Everything else, why Why are you doing? Yeah. Right? So for like you, it was like, I want to get to 10 days a month. Yeah, exactly. And 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 my, well, my, if we look deep down in my purpose statement, it's to make a positive life in people's lives by encouraging them to see what they cannot see by serving as their guide. And so for me, that's the natural, I like to talk to people, like I volunteer, I talk to high school kids who are doing career counseling, because I'm like, you know, you can be a policeman, a doctor and all that, but you can also be a business owner too. That's a entrepreneur that's a legit career yeah um yeah and so you have to have that purpose that's bigger than you so it doesn't matter what i do am i helping people it's really my goal so i educate people in my education companies we we help people at the clinics Mm. um so you got to help people so i think if you go into business to help people and provide value that they will pay for you're good and then the money's a side effect. The money happens. Yeah. If you're doing a great service that people want and they will pay for, not say they will pay for, but actually write a check, right? I want check writers here. Right. Then you've got something, right? That's so right. many people are like, oh, that's an awesome idea. You should do it. It's like, okay, give me 10,000. Oh, well, not that awesome. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So uh, second step is you got to hire the right team. I have an 11 step hiring process. It's worth 10 times the book over wow. um, and how to hire people because I've hired rock stars and psychopaths and everyone in between. Okay. <laughs> Can so you tell the difference? It's the at hardest the thing. Uh, no, because the psychopaths are very good at working the system. Okay. Right? That's what, it almost takes me to step five or six yeah. um, to do that. The okay. lazy people, they're easy. That's 80%. Like yeah. I did a posting for a role at one of my businesses in January. I got 380 applicants. Wow. I'm like, I don't even, if I spent 30 seconds on them, I wouldn't be able to do it. So what I do, one of my steps is I ask, what have you done to improve your knowledge in the last year? Right. If somebody's not improving their knowledge, they're not right for my company because you need to, I'm not there. So you need to solve problems and figure stuff out. If you have a problem, it's simple. It's called Google, right? Or maybe you're going to do some chat GPT and some AI stuff and massage it, right? It's not complicated. Most things can be solved on Google. Yes. Okay. So. It's not. And then I always say, address the cover letter to Jeff Russell. Very simple. Out of that 380 people, I got 48 who actually said, 
attention Jeff Russell. So boom, now I went from 380 to 40 people. Those other, those, yeah. they're lazy. They're just like, to whom it may concern, to who, like, you don't even care enough to read the job description. Why would yeah. you care to work for me? Yes. So hiring people, very, very important. That's, That's That takes some skill. Probably yeah. the biggest section of my book is hiring people. Okay. And then people need to know what winning looks like. So every employee has a uh, scorecard, right? These are the four things or three things that I'm responsible for. Very measurable, very detailed. And then as the owner, I have a dashboard. So each of my companies has numbers that flows up into the dashboard. Is that a custom analytics metrics tool that you have, or is this something that you've bought? I, depending on the business, it could be something they create in Excel. It could be something out of a number out of QuickBooks. Okay. So I'll tell you for any um, consumer face. So it's a simple, face, a simple, very simple. System. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I've done all the dashboards. I bought them. I plug stuff in. I have my assistants spending half their time plugging stuff in. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't even, yeah. Do what you want it, it to it do. It looks fancy, <laughs> but you know what? Just send me four numbers every Monday by 11 a.m. That's it. Don't overcomplicate it. That's and awesome. these numbers aren't complicated for your staff either. Like for one of my business, it's the number of five-star reviews. That's it. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have a, we have a threshold, right? 40 or 50 a month. And if we get less than that, the ties to their bonus, because mm -hmm. I know if we get a five-star mm -hmm. review, that means we're providing good service. Patients, uh, customers are telling other people and then people are coming back. Yes. So if we don't get five-star reviews, we get two or three or one star. People are not happy. We're not providing a good service. Yeah. So I like to find the one domino that's going to knock all the other dominoes down and make it easier. That's I don't good. want them to have 10 numbers to worry about. Then they won't remember any. How, just, how many five stars? How long has that taken you to get good at that? Just like boiling it down to like, what is the one metric that I'm going to base this scorecard off of? I would say I started down that road uh, maybe 10 years ago, right? Okay. So I always think what's the one number one thing mm. right yeah and it does come right from the one thing his book was fantastic mm. what's that one number that you know that will make the difference and then be prepared you may get it wrong so it's okay. okay to have three or four numbers and six months from now two of those numbers are the same and the others have been changed for something else mm -hmm. because you always want to track what you're doing currently and track a number that pre helps predict the future revenues as well so mm -hmm. you have to have a leading and a lagging indicator so you know where you're at that's in the book that broken yeah. down how to track all that that is fascinating mm -hmm. i i've always looked at all the businesses that we're in is like what is the one thing that i can do that the team is doing but i don't know if i've ever put a number metric on that and have tracked it over time that's that's fascinating yeah i always like to have net profit in there right that's like a, one of my key ones because i do track that not so concerned with revenues um, but it is really and again that's my simplicity here like and it was one of my challenges investing in vc funds right and i'm like you don't do anything you don't like <laughs> 
if you actually did something that people paid for, you should have money, but they don't, right? So I'm like, this is not a, it's not a complicated. It's a lot of speculating, speculating. Yeah, I don't like to, I tell people that too. I don't like to speculate. I like to invest and I need to know what I'm investing in Mm, and have a good idea of what the profit's going to be, not just a guess and a throwing a dart at a dartboard. That's not, Wow. I don't like crypto, I don't like any of that stuff, but that's interesting that you do it like that, where it's just like venture, even venture capitalism, where it's a business, it's if you don't, if you're serving a customer well, your business should be growing. You shouldn't need that venture capital. How I see it now, everybody kind of feels differently, but I'm in the same boat. Yeah. And I bootstrapped everything. That's just my thing. And again, that's probably coming from the generation that I'm in and listening to my parents. It's just like cash is king. Never, ever take cash for granted. And, you know, we almost lost it during COVID, uh, but we actually pivoted and went online and now we make more money than we've ever made. But we were burning. I didn't, I underestimated the amount of cash I needed in cash equivalents, right? You wouldn't have physical cash. So that's something that, because there, here's the opportunity, and I get this in some of my businesses, people start up, they they build the Taj Mahal, they go crazy, they blow all this money, and then I see them for sale on 10 cents on the dollar two years later. So, you know, my, my, my staff is like, oh yeah, here we have new competition. I'm like, yeah, they're going to blow it. Like I've been doing this for 20 years, right? Like I've seen this story many times. The they new come kid they comes go. in <laughs> yeah, and then they go and then I pick it up for 10 cents on the dollar. That's what my <laughs> cash is for, right? So yes, I can come in there, quick terms, close quickly, get you out of your mess. So I'm like, yeah, I'd rather wait for that. You build all that. I'll just take what you've done, the infrastructure, <laughs> um, pay 10 cents on the dollar, and then make my mo- I'll make my money back cash on cash in 90 days. Nice. Right? Like it's it's just ridiculous. So there's another opportunity, right? Is um, but I think you need to get comfortable first, right? Running businesses, creating businesses, doing stuff, right? Where there's no big loss. You know, like if you didn't do it, you're not losing your house or anything. Don't <laughs> don't do anything like that. That's not good. Yeah. Start small, reinvest it, grow that, reinvest it some more, do research on what you're interested in. So if you want to get into real estate syndications, for example, right, there's a lot of sleazy people out there in real estate. Just saying, if you haven't met any, you just say, I'm an investor for real <laughs> estate, and they'll start banging down your LinkedIn account every day. <laughs> Um, for that. So, but those aren't the right, what are the terms? You need to know how to read a term sheet. You need to know a lot of that because if you go in uneducated, you can really uh, mess up, right? And it could cost you. So always have like that emergency cash over here to take care of you and your family. Don't Mm -hmm. risk that, right? And it may be slower to grow, but when you get there, you'll get that flywheel going right at the right point where boom, you have a small snowball and now it's humongous. Good. That's good. Num- you said number three was the scorecard and the dashboard. Is that dashboards and scorecards are number three? And the fourth one is you got to plan your exit, right? So on some of my businesses, it's an ATM. I'm staying the long haul. I love the business. I love the people in it. I have no desire and I don't need to leave. Yeah. So I've been a member of a lot of CEO groups, and that's another great resource, right? Like um, Vistage or EO, those type of local community groups where you have people in there um, 
you don't think everybody's a rock star in those groups too just saying <laughs> um you know so be cautious with who you take your advice from because i've had many people in there i'm like that doesn't seem like a good business way and guess who files for bankruptcy <laughs> the next year so don't be naive just i'm just gonna follow this one see how it goes right. but you know it sounds like a ponzi scheme to me but i like i don't know right and it was so i'm like yeah that's not a good thing yeah so you want to really plan what you want to do and it could be the exit it could be the cash sale that's your plan but yeah. you have to take into consideration what are the tax implications of a tax sale like a cash sale right you get 10 million dollars 20 million dollars okay so unless you're in the right state with nope you know capital gains tax and you haven't been living in wyoming for two years you know there's a lot of planning that needs to be done there yeah. so plan your exit and my ultimate exit will be a sale but not for at least 20 30 years like it's not in the foreseeable future yeah. and remember this like i get vc yeah pe funds call me like at least five to ten times a month they want my mm. business because they cash flow because all their other businesses suck and so they need my business because it cash flows it's not a huge huge valuation but as positive cash flow that's important that's the lifeblood of a business is you yeah. should have money more money coming in than out Right. And so it's very important. And those guys, they're looking for the um, emergency sale, right? The owners had it, maybe had a heart attack. And now, see, things like that happen, right? There's a lot of opportunities. Death, you can have a legitimate divorce. business. Those are the DD deals. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And you're helping them, right? Like you yeah. truly are, because there's a point where I'm up. Like, and I know people like that right now. They're just, um, you know, one had a massive uh, medical issue two years ago. And he's just not recovering and he's just out and he's not going to sell his business for the multiple he should get, but he's happy because he's out. So that's a win for him and it's yeah. a win for whoever buys it. Yeah. So always think. Sure. So they're calling you on the chance that you might be in a situation that you want to, you want out of there. Yeah. yeah. And at first it was very, oh, this is, you know. Yeah, I got PE firms calling me every month. Yeah, I'm just a baller. It's like, no, you're not. They're just, they're just working Cold the phones all businesses, like I yeah. did. Yeah, they're calling all businesses that have good cash flow that they know have cash yeah. flow, right? Like an industry that has cash flow versus built yeah. an industry maybe asset heavy. Yeah, uh, quick. And so, what do I do with all that cash? Yeah, right? invest. So for decades and decades. I created the family office mm. and the family office is really simple. It's kind of seems mysterious. And I thought I can't do a family office. That's yeah. way out of my league, but all it is, is you're creating a corporation, mm. right? And all, and you just choose your investment thesis of how you want to invest your money. It's typically 25% equities, 25% real estate, 25% alternative investments and 25 percent yeah. cash equivalents like that's kind of the model so it's just an Mine's different firm it's just a, a company that you just, just a company money into. it's a holding company that's it right and you have to control now you can get creative because who are the shareholders and what class are they so now i can distribute to my family right so if i want to do dividends now my family's young i my girl's 1923 they're just getting started in the workforce they don't really need that 
they don't need that income. Oh, they want the income. Trust me, they want it. But <laughs> tax-wise, it's not good for them to have dividend income. So I keep all that in there. And then I take the dividend income and buy more stuff. And then I buy, I take cash from the operating companies, put it in there because it's tax-free exchange, right? If it's owned by the same person. So I don't, you know, I don't pay any tax here. I take it there. So pre-tax money, now I'm investing in real estate. So I'm not taking paying the tax. I'm okay. investing it first. Now, when I take it out, right, as a dividend or, you know, you have to watch your, your you have to have your CPA, your tax person, you know, in your specific in, instance, mm-hmm. to, you may want more dividend income versus capital gains versus, mm-hmm. in, you know, employment. Okay. Some real estate syndications, their income is considered employment income which is the worst. So even if you want to do real estate, okay, you think I'm going to invest in real estate. Yeah, but your returns could be considered uh, employment income because that firm is in business to buy real estate, fix it up and then sell it. So that's a business. So this would be business slash employment, Mm. earning income. So you have to be like, so I look for the deals where it's maybe a longer hold and it'll be a capital gains event because I don't need employment income, but it's not a big, I'll take, I'll take the money, right? If I didn't have to really work for it, but I just keep it in that corporation, right? I don't take it out personally because I don't need it. And so as soon as you hit that balance where you have more money coming in that you need to live, that's when you want to start looking at the corporation, the holding company, the family trust. And often I would say that's maybe you have a half a million dollars cash. Like it could be that low. Oh, okay. Interesting. You don't have to have millions. So the other thing is uh, I learned this from a very smart man, and he said, never have any one investment any more than 20% of the category, Agreed. right? So people are like, oh, you know, this is a million dollars. I'm like, yeah, I'm just doing 500000 in there because that will then bump me over and it'll put my portfolio out of balance. And I don't want to get excited. And you know what? If I can't sleep on the deal for a week or a month, it wasn't the right deal for me. You're going to get a lot of people pressuring. Oh, this real estate thing. We're 24 hours taken. Yeah, we got we're we're target six million. We're at four million. Oh, big big money bag. Joe just put in a million and a half. Oh, imagine that, right? I wonder where he came from. Really? So we're almost done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, We've been in offices with that pressure, and I just walk out. I'm like, okay, this is obviously set up a little bit. Yeah. Do you how often are you rebalancing that portfolio? Uh every quarter. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. But because you have syndication is it easier to rebalance instead of like actually holding the physical properties? Yeah, I'm more rebalancing my cash equivalents because they're getting so when the money comes in, it goes into cash equivalents. And so right now, to be honest, like I'm probably because of the current environment, I'm probably 65% cash. Interesting. Right? Okay. Equivalents because I'm looking for opportunities. Mm-hmm. So this is the other thing. I've been through a few cycles. This is very simple, but it's very difficult. You buy low and then you sell high. That's very important. I bought. I remember in 2008, I bought um, spiders, right? Bought the index, you know, Vanguard Spiders Index. Um, I think I'm up 800%, right? Like I bought it on the market. On March 8th, I went to my 
private banker. And I said, I want to buy March 8th of 2020, right? When COVID, all things went to crap. And I'm like, and the market's tanked. I'm like, awesome. Like, this is when I'm buying my index funds because everything is dropped, right? He goes, I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah, that's why you make a hundred grand and I make 10 <laughs> times more than you do or 20 times more than you do, right? Yeah. I've seen this story before in 2008. I know how it plays, right? You look at my portfolio, even with the markets tanked, I'm positive. I'm probably the only person you have in your portfolio that's positive, and I bought that stuff, not you. So everything you recommended is low, right, and <laughs> drop down. But everything I bought, and you buy index funds when the market's really, really low. So that opportunity's done. You know, it may happen again. You never know. It's like a five, six-year event. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so right now, so that's the rebalancing and I spent the equities is tied up. So that's good. It's some, you know, fa- uh, Vanguard has some family office products um, that are very good. I think if you're going to invest in equities, let professional people that know because the market's so manipulated, you can't win that market. Real estate is where I'm getting my 20, 30% of your returns, right? So that's the balance. But you know where I get even more out of my businesses, businesses, Yep. right? The business is two, 300% a year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right so for me the business is the key to wealth the real estate and the equities is kind of just parking that money and not losing it right like i'm doing capital preservation there number one rule i'm 54 right so i'm i'm not young chicken and i got plenty of time left 20 30 years i figure that i'll have my i'll i'll need to live so And as you go through different life, your things change. So maybe you have young kids right now. As soon as your kids get through college, it is like, right, they're out of the house and there's no college fees. There's none of that. And you're on your own. And I tell my kids, like, you know, they're, they all, they both have summer jobs. Um, they are work while they're in school. Um, they pay their rent. Like, you know, this is no free ride. Like, sure, I'll pay their tuition. The deal was I pay their tuition and their books and that expenses, and then mm-hmm. they pay anything else uh, because I wanted them to learn. Right. Yeah. And uh, when they leave, you will realize you have all this extra time and money. <laughs> like, it is awesome. <laughs> right. So. <clears throat> That's awesome. um, so you want to do that. First thing I did is I turned our living room into a whiskey room, right? I'm like, we don't need a living room anymore. <laughs> this is my whiskey room. So I could, got leather, so, you know, leather chairs, and the, the fireplaces in there. I got all my bourbons. I'm like, I love life. They this come home. Awesome. I'm like, where's the living room, dad? Yeah, what yeah exactly. Yeah. That's not for <laughs> you guys anymore. I'm trying to think of uh, what questions that my audience would be at, thinking about wanting to ask you. So you, you work 10 hours a, a week, or 10 hours per month on those businesses. Give me an idea of the type 10 hours a month, right? Across 10 days. All of them? 10 days. 10 days. All right. All right. Sorry. 10 days. Sorry. What does that look like? What are the tasks that you're doing as uh, in, you know, what, what types of, what is, what does that look like to work? 10 days a month in those businesses? What are the things that you're doing so you don't come in and mess everything up that kind of work so hard to build and um, you don't insert yourself back into it and make them dependent on you again? So this is what you have to think of, compare it to. If you're going to go on your family vacation, the last day of work, you get so much shit done. Because you're going to be gone for two weeks, right? So everything's got to get done. So you're like accelerating. That's what it's like working 10 days a month, right? So when I come in, I've got two hours today. That's it. 
So I'm, I have my yeah. time. I'm like, I have two hours. What do I need to do in that two hours? So sometimes it may be two hours a day for five days in a row. And maybe it's six days in a row. Maybe I work Monday to Saturday, right? Like it could be like that. And then I'm off for three weeks, right? I was just in Tahiti for three weeks, right? I was off. Like if I wanted internet, I didn't have it anyways. And I did <laughs> not check in. I have no idea what went on, but I get my three numbers, my four numbers every Monday morning by 11 AM, mm. right? So every business unit sends me those numbers. Yeah. We use a software called Slack and they're all on it. So yeah. they just direct message me the numbers. Now, each of their business units, they share those numbers with everyone else, right? So that they know what winning looks like and how the last week went and what yeah. the next week looks like. I like them all. And this is the other thing. If you're not going to be in there, you need to have a team leader who's going to be doing a huddle pretty much every morning, five mm -hmm. minutes, just like what's going on? What are the highlights today? People just need to be refocused every morning. And mm -hmm. you can do it on Zoom if you have a hybrid you know workforce or your workforce is all online do it on zoom i love yeah, zoom good. for that it's come a long way from three four yeah. years ago and yeah. i rotate so every quarter i will spend maybe four days in one business okay right that i'll i'll go deep with them we'll do strategy work so almost every quarter where's yeah. the strategy what are our customers saying where are our customers going is there any changes and I do kind of keep abreast of everything because I, I'm look, I always think three years out. That's, I'm always thinking all my business is three years out. So with AI, ChatGPT, ChatGPT4, and then now they're in financial problems, but who's going to bail them out? And then what about this? And then where's Google's thing? How is this going to change my business in three years? Mm. Right. So like for my training business, AI could wipe it out. So I want to use AI together. So let's leverage AI to make our product better than AI, because yeah. we have a huge amount of data internally that I do not want to share. And AI has got a huge amount of external and most of it wrong data, right? Like we ran a chat GPT and we asked for medical references and everything. We checked every one of those references. They were all wrong. They were all made up. So mm -hmm. it gave me an official looking report. And if I would have gave that to my customers, they would have thought it was great, but it was wrong information and it yeah. wasn't backed up by facts. So we're not at the stage right now where we can kind of do that. So yeah. that probably out of 10 days a month, probably five days I'm reading, I'm looking around, I'm having lunch with people at the club. Like I'm, I'm just networking and just want to mm -hmm. know more about other people because I'm not so drowned with the yes. day to day. Yes, that's so good. Wow. Man, this is so good. Stephen, what other questions do you got? I know you could go, you could ask a million questions about the family office stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I think we could go way deeper in all this. But I got about 14 minutes before we got another podcast interview. Well, I guess the only family office thing for me is can you help point me in the right direction for books or people or podcasts that I should be listening to? And for your family office, is there any like internal team for your family to tap into say lawyers health professionals advisors anything is is your family office set up in a way that it has that team that your family can go to say your daughter wants to start a business is that mm -hmm. there for them you can go go talk to this person this person this person and they will help you do all of that so i guess point me in the right direction for who books podcasts i should be listening to and then internally for your own family do you have a team of professionals that you can have any family member tap into 
Yeah, no, for sure. I will have to send you the links okay, no to problem. the books and that because they're very obscure. Okay. There's no mainstream, right? Yeah, and I so saw most of them the are things. backed by like the insurance salesman financial planner. Okay. Yeah, if you need to write right, that so book. That's, yeah. <laughs> you should write a well, family that's office that's, book. It's yeah, it's not too complicated. And as far as the team goes, absolutely, you are going to need a lawyer and an accountant that know family offices because this is completely created for tax, right? So tax, you know, the most efficient way for tax. So mm -hmm. you have to have to like, so not your divorce lawyer is not the lawyer you get, <laughs> you get a corporate lawyer. And, and I'll tell you, this is where it gets expensive. I have a tax attorney. So he's a tax lawyer, which costs about three times an hour more than a normal lawyer does. Mm -hmm. But they know the IRS codes and the tax codes. And I also do have like he's at the very high level. And then below him, I have a very experienced CPA. So again, I don't want the CPA who just, they must have experience doing family offices and structuring it. And I want to interview them to ask them, well, what is the best tax structure for income? What is the best best structure here what you know I, they need to know those answers right like not like oh it is just you know because there's there's innuendos there and there's kind of secret ways of you know if you structure it this way you get it some yeah. attorney uh some accountants just want to just do the basics they don't want to be creative with the code mm -hmm. the tax code right like you, there are lots of ways that you could do this, write this off, put this here. Um, you don't want to go over that gray line too much is the last thing I want is an, an audit, right? So I am like, yeah, we go on caution versus like the Wild West. So they know I'm very cautious. And that's why the tax attorney keeps everything in check, right? So that is it for the three people. If she, if my daughter wanted to start a business, I would give her some podcasts to listen to that, you know, that I know that would be good. I'd be asking her what kind of business she'd want to do. And I think both of them will go that way. Mm -hmm. um, because I do tell them, you don't have to work for the business, you can own the business, mm -hmm. right? And yes. then, so I want them thinking like that as well. And they've so seen that me going up. You're going to give them your book is essentially what you're going to be doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny as my youngest, she took the 11 step hiring process that I have in my book. She reversed engineered it to get a job. Oh, interesting. And then she went and applied to three or four places and uh, she calls me up. She goes, okay, I applied to these places. Like they force you to do it online. Like, is this normal? I'm like, because she's like me, like, well, let's go see the people. Right. Face and I'm like, face. great. Yeah, you did it right. Now go. Is do you think I could, should go there now? Yep. I'm like absolutely. Print mm -hmm. off your resume, have a paper copy, and go there. She walked to four businesses and she had four job offers. Okay, wow. one job, eighteen hundred people applied for. Okay, so but she was the only one who walked in <laughs> to say hi. She's wow. my nineteen year old, right? Like. Because sure. now they want to do everything remotely on the phone. They don't want to actually um, see people, right? So, so now she needs to so, take your eleven step process and write a book about how to next step reverse is after she and take her to job. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. awesome, uh, Jeff. What <laughs> whatever what, what last advice you would just give to people that um, you know want to follow in your footsteps? Because this, I, mean, I would when I saw what uh, Teresa sent me, I was like I'm so excited to talk to Jeff because this is where I want to be. 
Um, I just, I don't know know which episode you listened to of my podcast, but I just did have an exit of my um, membership business. It was a a course uh, business where I teach people how to make money on Amazon and I sold that to a student. So I did just have an exit and now I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing with my life. Um, But um, most people, I mean, they they want that. They don't want to be in the business all the time. They started the business for for time freedom, to be able to go hang out with their spouse, go on vacation, put their kids through college. So uh, obviously get the book and it's uh, called fire yourself first. And, but what other advice would you give folks? Yeah. And if you have a day job and you're looking over, don't quit your day job, right? So you want to fire yourself from your day job, but make sure you have a plan B and it's Uh starting to make some money. You got some traction. Just know this. You're not going to be able to get that goal of being able to just do whatever you want and working for someone else. So you do want to, you're going to make that jump. That jump's going to be really difficult, right? Uh The first time you do it. And so that's normal. That's if you're apprehensive, fine. If you don't have any income coming in, don't fire yourself, right? From your job, you keep that job, right? And then you just work it and grow. And so, and you're exactly right. You have to have a good purpose, right? If it is to have freedom of time and money, then you need to set your business up. And the first thing I want you to think about is who, not you. Okay, who's going to do this? It's not going to be you and your business. Every single thing you're thinking of in your business can't be you. Okay, it may be you for the first year, first five years, first six months, but you always want to think who else is going to do this for me? So you want to get who not you really in there. The fire yourself four-step process really is that, right? When you go to hire your people, you better not hire, you know, losers and psychopaths. You want to hire winners. So do that 11 steps. So um, there's a lot of downloads as well. If you go to www.fireyourselffirst.com, I actually have a download of that 11-step hiring guide. So for a special offer for your your listeners, you can do that. I don't, I'm not a consultant. I don't have workshop. I don't have anything, right? Like the book is my education. It's my gift to everyone. So uh, I also have a weekly Friday email where I, you know, I read a lot of books, right? So I just did Think and Grow Rich, right? You know, some of the you know, these are books that you need to kind of reread every couple of years. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. on there, you can sign up for Fire Yourself Friday. So okay. that's at www.fireyourselffirst.com slash Friday. And you can get that. So you can books on Audible, books on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the nice. usual suspects okay. and uh, lots of free downloads there too. Awesome. And if you need help on your purpose, I have a clarity map, which kind of helps you cool kind of go through that. So these are the things that I found once you have them in place, yeah. that's when you're firing yourself first and the business is running without you and you have that ATM. Love so it. yeah, just www.fireyourselffirst.com. Love it. Jeff, you're welcome back anytime. If there's, you just ever have another, I mean, I know we could go so much deeper into all this stuff, but it, Hey, if you just ever think of me, hey, I want to come back on. It's been six months. Feel free to reach out because I know Stephen would enjoy it too. He's probably got lots of questions for you. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, spin it around. You'll be catching some emails for me. That's right. (laughs) Thanks, Jeff. Perfect. Love it. Awesome. Thank you. Bye bye, everyone. See you next week.